you can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. It's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? Welcome into Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the Big Dog, Rick Watson. We are grooving right in hour number two. Text line's always open for you, 744-2990. And joining us on the program, always one of my favorite conversations. He's the Virginia Tech Hall of Famer, also your Virginia Broadcaster of the Year, Mike Burnett. Michael, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. How about uh, let's groove tonight? How about let's groove last night, man? Were the Hokies in the groove or what? <laughs> they were in the Holy groove. Holy smoly. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about it. I mean, uh, you know, Tech was favored by a little bit. Not favored by 34, though. What were some of the things? Or, did you did you sit there and get a feel for that? I mean, I was watching UVA miss shots, and Tech was really doing a nice job of getting their post players involved offensively. Yeah, which was good because, you know, last time – those two guys combined, I think uh, Lynn Kidd and Malazio Petit combined for one basket each. I think they had four points. And Miner, Jordan Miner, came at his coming out party. That was his second start, I think. He had started the week uh, or the, the game before against Wake Forest and had 16 points in the game. He just dominated inside. And then last night it was like, where was Miner? You know, he had five points in the game, but he was battling foul trouble. Only played 13 minutes. So I think he only had one rebound. And then they got the middle guys. Uh, those guys got going, and uh, that certainly was a big part of it. You know, Lynn Kidd at 14 points, I think, seven rebounds. And, you know, Malajah Petit has been playing well. He was in double figures again with 11. So, yeah, they got those guys going inside. It was just crazy. I mean, when you think about – I remember my father told me one time, he says, if you live long enough, you see it all, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how does a major college basketball team – go one of 11 from the free throw line like they did against Wake. How does that happen? I know. I mean, you think that somewhere one of those dudes <laughs> would have made another free throw, right? Yeah, yeah. And, th- and then last night in the first half, UVA had 16 points. All 16 points were in the paint. <laughs> How often do you see that? <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's just it's crazy stuff happening. And, yeah, the Hokies just kind of got on a roll there and every media timeout. It just seemed like the lead grew, you know, went from 1 to 6 to 12 to 16. They were up 20 at the half, and, you know, just uh, UVA never got into it. You kept expecting that run in the second half, but never really came. They made a couple baskets and got a couple stops, but that was pretty much the end of that. And uh, that's amazing. They only committed six fouls, Rick. How about that? Hokies had six fouls is all they committed. That's impressive. And when you look at UVA, nobody got in double figures. It's pretty amazing. 41 points tied their season low. Like Wisconsin, they only had 41 against Wisconsin uh, back in November. So, yeah, they dominated. 
What was interesting, Mike, I was watching uh, Tony Bennett's presser, and he just seemed so matter-of-fact about it. It was almost like he didn't say it, but it was almost like he and his staff had talked about, well, we're going to get beat down tonight. I don't know. It was kind of a weird vibe for him in the post-game press conference a little bit. Yeah, and you wonder how in the world the hook is your favorite, right? I mean, UVA's been playing well, and they're a ranked team, and you're you know, it's just all about the castle, right? That home court advantage. It is. And, uh, it's it real. Is. It's uh, something to be you got to take into consideration for sure. And uh, they got after it. And uh, I think the, the the funniest part was like later on in the game, <laughs> the old castle guard up there started chanting just like football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. The only thing missing last night was they didn't get bacon, right? Nobody missed two free throws in the second half. I was going to ask you. I was going to ask. There weren't very many, well, there weren't many free throw shots. That was the thing. <laughs> I mean, they were five out of seven. So, yeah, not many free throws up. Well, you got to be excited if you're a Tech fan because of what you just mentioned, right, with UVA and how bad they shot from the line before and against Wake. You know, they have a great chance to get some bacon last night, but it didn't happen. Heck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were excited. You know, a couple – I think one guy missed the, uh, the first one. I think Miner missed the first one made the second one. So, yeah, that was kind of the thing with him. So, I think he made uh, – he, he actually missed both free throws, but they were, both of them were the uh, first of the, of the two. So, yeah. But that was great. I mean, it was a great win for him. Castle was rocking, and, uh, you know, that's the way you go. You got five games left, and three of them are on the road, two at home, and see what you can maybe have a little momentum uh, built up for that game uh, this weekend up at Pitt. You know, you think about it, Rick, since we talked, we were, we played three games since we talked last week, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Florida State, Carolina, and then last night, UVA. So they come fast and furious, and you better be ready in. It's playing well, and Syracuse is playing well, so this will be a, a couple tough road tests here for the Hokies. Mike Burnup joining us on the program, the Virginia Tech Hall of Famer and the Virginia Broadcaster of the Year. And I was going to ask you about that, Mike. I mean, the road has been a real struggle for Tech, um, especially in conference play. You would feel like maybe this is one you can build on, right? I know it's a tough travel time to go up to the Northeast, but – you would think maybe that now, you know, here at the end, they know they have to string some wins together to get some momentum. It's time maybe to take this momentum on the road. Yeah, I mean, you hope so. You would hope you'd get a bump out of it for sure, especially, you know, beating Florida State. And, you know, he scored 80-some points against Carolina. But, gosh, you're talking, you're talking about a different team. I mean, the last thing you want to do is play Carolina, right, coming off a loss in their building. Yes. <laughs> and so yes. You, they had no answer for Baycott. He was unbelievable in the second half. The dude had six points in the first half and ended up with 25 or 26 and 12 rebounds. And, you know, Harrison Ingram had a double-double in the first half, right? I mean, they got so many good players. You know, Cormac Ryan seemed like he's been around forever. He's 25 years old, I think. And, you know, R.J. Davis may be the player of the year in the league. I mean, they, they, Carolina's really, really good. And the score 80 points on them was pretty amazing. But I think – some of these guys that are coming off the bench, you know, I mean, like last night, you got four guys in double figures, and, and Hunter Couture is not one of them, and Sean Padula is not one of them. I know, I know. I mean, I think that's encouraging that those guys are uh, your supporting cast is helping you out. In the second straight game, Padula hasn't turned the ball over, so that that's a good trend too, right? That's something that needed to start happening. Well, the biggest thing is is that MJ Collins has been running the point, right? And, uh, right. They're getting the ball out of Padula's hands. I mean, you look at the Carolina game, and it was pretty amazing. I mean, 
Uh, MJ Collins played, I think, 39-plus minutes, something like that, and Sean Padula only played about 28 minutes. So, yeah, they kind of got the ball out of his hands a little bit, and uh, it's a little different aspect, and MJ's done a really nice job uh, in that regard. Yeah, a little. How about, how about old Tyler Nickel last night? He had six assists himself. Little of a subtle message there, right, by the coaching staff, Mike Young, a little bit to kind of change that up because that that couldn't. Well, you got to do what you, you got to do, do, man. You right, gotta, right? Yeah, I mean, your job's on the line. You got to win games, and you can't just keep having turnovers and turnovers. So I think it certainly has helped and takes a little bit of that pressure off Sean, which is good. Well, you've seen them both now. Let me ask you, because we have debates here. Who do you think is better overall, Carolina or Duke? Duke played so well fighting off that Castle crowd. Uh, Carolina, of course, beat Tech at their place. Who, who do you think pound for pound is better between Carolina and Duke? I think uh, Carolina is. You know, I was surprised they'd had that stretch there where they lost a few games. You know, they lost, what, three out of five or yeah. something like that. But yeah. they got they got the talent. I mean, they got Final Four talent, NBA talent, and um, – I just think they're the better team, the, the the class of the league. I don't think Duke's that far behind, but when you just look at uh, you know what Baycott can do for you and Ingram and all those other guys, Cadeau's a heck of a player, and they got a good bench and the way they rebound. This was an amazing stat, Rick. When you look at Carolina going into the Virginia Tech game, they had out rebounded the first or the last fourteen opponents, I think it was, and they out rebounded the Hokies by I think twelve. So that was like 15 games that out-rebounded their opponents. And you know what the margin was? 156. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Look about how many second-chance opportunities and how they're just dominating the glass, the way they back-tap, the height that they have, and the way they just crash the boards. It's, uh, I think they're the class of the league for sure. And, you know, in my mind, I was talking to one of their guys, one of their radio guys, old Jones Angel. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Just talking to him a little bit about it, and I said, you know, to me, sometimes they just look like they're bored. It's like they're ready for the tournament. That's an old veteran yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. You know, Baycott, Baycott turns 24, 25 on March 6th. Crazy. You know, Cormac Ryan, like I said, was 25. They got an older team, and they're probably just like, let's get to the playoffs. <laughs> let's make it to the tournament. Let's roll along here, see what we got. Yeah, that's a great point. I think you do see that, right? You have to get through it, and then you get – they want to – it won't redemption from last year, too, right? Those veteran guys, even the new guys. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I, I really do. But yet, boy, that stat that you just quoted, Mike, that it tells you this is a team that can go a long way in the NCAA tournament just because of that one aspect of the game they do so well, which is rebound the basketball. Yeah, that's it. And you keep Baycott out of foul trouble. I mean, they got a chance. I mean, R.J. Davis, that dude can flat out play. He is really talented. He's the uh, you know the straw that stirs the drink, and they're really good on offense. They get up and down the floor, and you know they play good defense. And yeah, I think they'll be a hard out for sure. Well, you know, Jones told me right after we opened up the season down there, he said he thought the team was yeah. going to be better without Caleb Love, and um, just because of certain aspects of what Love brought to the table that kind of took away from the team aspect. Sure enough, that's kind of been the result down at Chapel Hill. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about that. That team was number one last year and didn't make the damn tournament. Good Lord. I mean, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I would think they got some little chip on their shoulder a little bit. But like Coach Young said, you know, when you go through a season, like every team's going to have a little stretch where they just don't play very well or, you know, it just gets, you know, the travel or whatever. It's your kids you're dealing with. And there'll be a stretch where every team has a rough spot. And, you know, Carolina's had theirs. And we'll see what they do the rest of the way. 
Well, we shall see, and uh, boy, that's that's a that's a tough travel for you guys too, isn't it? Those two Northeast games so close together. Yeah, Pittsburgh, and they're playing well. You know, Henson's they one are. of the really better players in the league. He's really good. Capel's done a nice job with those guys, getting them back on track. And you know, Red Autry was an assistant coach here under the great one Seth Greenberg, and he's got them playing really well up at the dome. And that's you know a hard place to win, as we know. And so, yeah, there'll be a couple back-to-backers that are for turnarounds, and uh, it'll be difficult. Well, Mike, again, uh, at least publicly, not much happening news-wise for Tech football, which uh, I guess this time of year, as you're segueing into the end of February, no news is good news, right? Yeah, they're doing their hunger games twice a week, you know, in the month of February, and they'll go to spring break here uh, really soon, get that week off, and they'll come back and get right into spring practice. And uh, they had a press conference, I guess, yesterday, which I didn't go to because it was right before we went on the air. But uh, so the, all the, uh, the assistant coaches, and it was good to keep all those guys together and give them a raise. You know, they all got raises, so that's encouraging that uh, he was able to keep that staff together. I mean, think about the mess that some of that has caused in some of these places. Absolutely. Uh, coaches leaving, like Jeff Halfley leaving Boston College and <laughs> – and then in one program, it already started spring practice, and the coach left, and they canceled spring practice, canceled the game. It's like, man, these, these guys are going to take coordinator spots in the NFL and doing different things and taking, like, Chip Kelly going to Michigan. Yeah. What in the world? I mean, you, it's like you can't make it up. Yeah, that, that, that's the strangest thing I've seen in a long time, a guy who willingly gave up a head coaching job to go be a coordinator in the same league that your former school is going into. That whole thing is weird. It still feels weird. I don't know what's happening out at UCLA. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I know. You know, it's pressure. And, you know, if you only think you might only have one year left, you know, why not go to the defending national champs, right? (laughs) Money probably ain't that much different. (laughs) And once once you start counting millions, Rick, you know, like how many millions do you need? I don't think I'll ever know. but (laughs) That's true, too. You get the pressure off of you, don't you? I mean, you're no longer. You're just going in and now just being part of a staff instead of being the guy. So maybe that's just where he is in his life. Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. You know, that CEO part of – Waking up every day and worrying about NIL and the portal and you know shaking hands with donors and kissing babies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it gets stressful after a while for sure. And I'm sure that uh, that was a big part of Halfley, you know, BC because you know they, they haven't done great. You know, they've had decent years, but you know his time was probably getting close to running out. And so you know, why not jump to the NFL and get a big time job with the Packers? Sure. Sure, makes makes perfect sense. And, you know, I was talking to Mike, just talking about the way things are viewed today. You know, Rick Pitino, after the loss uh, from his team on Sunday, was saying his team's not very athletic, right? They're just not, and that's why they get caught in situations and they have to foul and they make stupid fouls. Well, the media tried to make a big deal out of that, right? They tried to act like he was putting down his team. So he had to come and have a press conference yesterday saying, look, this is what I meant. It's not new. It's not new news. They know they're not athletic. It's not – I just I'm so tired of the way things are viewed today. You can't even talk about your team without somebody trying to make it look like, oh wait, did you see that? He's putting people down, right? No wonder these older coaches are getting out. <laughs> yeah, it's a different world we live in, and there's no doubt about it. And uh, frustrating, I'm sure, for these guys when you got to defend yourself and what you're thinking, and you can't say what you're thinking. And yeah, it's it's uh, I'm sure that's pretty frustrating, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. just I mean, it's not unlike. 
it's not like it's news under the sun, and he has to get up there and say, this is what I meant. I just I, I, I can't stand what the media does today. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> when you head out, hey, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know we're kind of part of it, but I hope I never become like that, you know? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. we'll leave. Uh, we'll leave Friday uh, late morning. Drive up to Pittsburgh. It's not okay. a bad drive. You know, no, it's is, not. It's not. So why don't you fly? Well, by the time you go to Roanoke and you connect in Charlotte and go wait in Charlotte and you go to Pittsburgh, you know, and the airport's like a half hour out of the city. Uh, you could have driven there. So, you know, that's the reason we're driving up. The team is going to charter, of course, but uh, the small runway at Tech limits the number of people that they take. Gotcha. And then, you know, then you got to turn around and grow black back Monday morning and go to Syracuse. Same thing. This we will fly to, but, yeah, it's a quick quick turnaround, and, uh, yeah, it's two tough places to play. Well, congrats on the big win last night, and have safe travels, as always, and we'll see how Tech uh, handles traveling up to, really, right now, one of the hottest teams in the league, like you mentioned, the Pitt Panthers. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch, and I uh, hope there'll be a good crowd there, and uh, that's always a nice place to go play, and beautiful arena so we'll see how the Hokies can uh, handle the road they've only won that one road game that was at NC State so uh, you know they got some work to do they do they do all right Mike well listen uh, get some rest I know you were out late last night at least it wasn't a nine o'clock start so I know that had to make that's you for sure <laughs> they won last week holy Cal Porter State I felt bad for those dudes having to go back after that one hmm. what time were you off the air close to midnight 12 11 uh, it was it was yeah, it was probably 11 40, 1130, 1140. Woo. Yeah, it was a late night. And I heard, I forgot to call Chuck and ask him, but somebody said when I, we were leaving that uh, Florida State, the plane was not in Roanoke, that they were either delayed or something happened. I don't uh. know if it was weather related or what. So I don't know if they had to end up going back to the hotel or what happened with that. Oh, oh. That's when you really hate it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's when it becomes the living nightmare. No question. No question. That's like we're in Boston one time, real quick. We were in Boston one time, and <laughs> uh, the guys out there, this is when Buzz was coaching. And the guy was out there. We pull up to the uh, airport, and again, this mechanic's coming out of the plane with a wrench. <laughs> and and <laughs> Buzz says, did you get it fixed? And the guy says, I think so. <laughs> so Buzz said, uh-uh. Get back on the bus. We're going back to the hotel. You don't think you got it fixed. <laughs> what do you mean you think so? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Uh, hey Goober, you got a pick, uh, Andy? <laughs> oh my I think goodness! So. I think so. Yeah, let's fire up. You guys get on. Let's see what happens. No, no, no. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Back to the hotel we went. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame it. Oh God! Uh, all right, man. Well, listen. Have a great uh, Have a great week, and uh, appreciate you as always. All right, Rick. We'll see you. <laughs> I don't blame Buzz at all. I that would have been my reaction. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Going back to the hotel, guys. We'll figure it out later. Great stuff as always from the Hall of Famer Mike Burnup. We'll take a break. Come back. Stay with us more on Tuesday. Great stuff from Mike Burnup. Jermaine Farrell joins us at the bottom of the hour. Then uh, David Smith. We're now into the NFL offseason. See which uh, which topics we cover there coming up at the top of the hour here on this Tuesday. 
And it's coming at you here in just a little bit with Jermaine. We'll get his thoughts on last night and whatever else comes up with the sports director at WFXR. Hope everybody's doing okay here on a Tuesday. Mike Burnham. Great stuff from him as always. Joining us on the program now, the sports director at WFXR. I know it was a late night for all the guys at WFXR spending it in Blacksburg for the Tech UVA game. Good morning, Jermaine. How are you? Well, good in the morning, sir. I mean, I feel like I need to hear Inner Sandman or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the struggle bus, Gus, but nah. we may think for Rick Watson, you know. Tuesday morning, 7.30, we get rock and rolling, rain or shine, sleep or sleep, whatever we got, we roll it. Weird uh, result last night in terms of how bad Tech won. Not that they won. They were favored to win, but boy, oh boy, um, Tony Bennett just said, look, you know, <laughs> maybe he saw it coming. He seemed very calm in the postgame pressure. I guess after that Wake Forest game, maybe he wasn't that surprised, but Tech finally Got other contributions from their main two, and uh, maybe they can build some momentum now. What was your take on the game? I think one thing last night, I mean, I wasn't – here's the thing. I wasn't surprised Tech won because in those rivalry games, I think Tech has won uh, beat UVA like the last three times in a row right. in Blacksburg. But the way they did it, I mean, it wasn't even close. And usually when a team gets a lead, usually they kind of hang on with it. But – Tech, I mean, they just, the league grew. They led by, I mean, they led by base 36, and they went by 34. And it was just fantastic play, played great defense. I mean, you hold UVA to 41 points. It's not like UVA is considered an offensive juggernaut. But still, to be, I mean, they've been, they've been held under 50 a few times this year to win a game. So, well, we're well, it was, you know, it was a much-needed win. Now Tech goes out on the road where they have struggled this year. It'll be interesting to see how UVA responds going forward as well. But, you know, this league right now, Jermaine, as of today, they still only have, according to Lenardi, uh, four teams in the tournament. I mean, it's, uh, it's a league that's competitive, as we've talked about, but maybe a league that's not great overall. What do you think so far now with two weeks left in the regular season? Well, I tell you, they are showing what they need to do, and and the thing is, is that now you got to pile up some wins, and you know, you know, Virginia. When you look at them, I mean, now they're they're a crossroads. And you know, Coach Bennett said, "What can we do, or what can they do?" And they had to fine tune some things, tweak some things to get back to where they were playing good during that streak. And then for Virginia Tech, they also have a mountain to climb because obviously you want to get a lot of momentum heading into the. ACC tournament, and, and it's going to be a struggle. But, uh, I, I mean, 
If they play like they did tonight, heck, they could beat anybody. But, of course, you have to bottle that up and take it on the road and do what you have to do. Well, and, of course, uh, your network last night had the um, postponed Daytona 500. I know you're a big racing guy, but uh, what were your thoughts about uh, William Byron's victory? Kind of came out of nowhere when you look at it. I mean, of course, people look at the crash he caused at the end and sort of helped him win the race. But, I mean, it was something, you know, to have the weather the way it was, perfect weather for the Great American Race, the Super Bowl, you know, and it's just fun to see it. I mean, it's not neat to have NASCAR back. NASCAR has the longest season yeah. of any of the oh, sports. Yeah. I mean, goodness, and the shortest off season. Well, I mean, um, you've watched, I don't know, like me, I grew up racing. It was a different era then. How have you adapted to all the, uh, the stage racing, the, the three stages? And, you know, the, the endurance part of it used to be a huge attraction for me. And now it's the way it is now. Have you gotten used to the way they've done it, trying to increase, I guess, viewership, trying to increase fan interest? I know they've been looking for the formula for a long, long time. Yeah. They, they uh, you know, they're just trying to figure that part out. And, you know, I don't mind them tweaking things here or there. They still want those fans, so you got to get your can to tweak it. So really enjoyable to see them just turn it up and, and make it happen. And, you know, that, that's fun. It's kind of great watching you make it happen, you know, when you do your thing. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of in that theory. Or Rick Watson could do it, anyone could do it. So. But, uh, but, but seriously, I, I think... They are always, and I think all sports are trying to look at ways to improve, and, you know, they try to do the same thing. Jermaine Farrell joining us on the program. I think we're interrupting Jermaine's nap while he, he's, he's here on the show. No, 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 that's all right. That's all right. I did a, did a quick little yawn or something like that. I mean, you know, and, and thank you. You know, could you imagine it was a nine o'clock game last night? I, mean, good Lord. <laughs> I just wouldn't. I, mean, I, I just wouldn't have bothered to have called at that point. Yeah, yeah. He, there's no way he's answered the phone if it's a nine o'clock game. No, nope. it, 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 like uh, the snooze bus there. But uh, you know, and, and this week, I tell you, Rick, what will be neat. Speaking of Castle, we talked about James. They're going to have high school basketball down there. They're going to have your region one seat semifinals. And, and finals down there in the Region 3D, you know, uh, finals and uh, semifinals in Blacksburg at the uh, Cavs Coliseum. So those kids, uh, you know, high school kids in those Region semifinals. Yeah, it's starting. Have, say, starting. Play at, what's that now? I said it's starting, is it now? We're getting exciting about uh, high school basketball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, regional basketball. I mean, you got a lot of teams. And it's going to be neat. Like I said, they're going to play uh, those regionals at Castle, but I tell you, one game is going to be real interesting. Two teams that probably deserve to be in the state tournament, but it's going to come down to one game. I mean, the PH girls and the Florida uh, girls are doing that. So, uh, I mean, really, when you look at it, excuse me, when you look at it, Florida and, and PH playing for an opportunity for one of those teams to go to state, you know, obviously in a regional semifinal. And this is where it's real interesting, Rick. Like I said, with your regional semifinal. The winners of your regional semifinals are guaranteed a spot in the state tournament and get one of those coveted eight spots. You know, the loser season is over, so this is really the big one right now for a lot of these teams to get into the NCAA, NCAA the ACC tournament. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Hey, uh, how bad's the NBA now, huh? After that uh, All Star disaster from the other night, two hundred and eleven points scored in the All Star game. They just scored again, didn't they? God Almighty, how bad is that product? Good Lord, that is. Well, they're, they're going to figure. I mean, well, when they look at the NFL product, I mean, they they tweak that. You know, the Pro Bowl, and I think they might do something similar, but. 200, I mean, it's like, let's play Ole defense, you know, let's just pretend like we're out here, but, you know, 211 points, good Lord, that's a lot. And then I think the, the losing team score like one of the most points ever, like 100, anybody that. Well, all right, man, well, listen, uh, we'll let you go. <laughs> and let you no, go. no, I'm fine, no, Rick, I'm fine, really, I am, I just, you know, I, I just, I just, I, I just say that, you know, it's just going to be so much. I mean, basket. This is the time of the year we got the high schools and the colleges really rocking and rolling with basketball. I mean, because everybody's trying to get as many wins as they can to meet their goals. So it's going to be a fun time. It is. But it is. I tell you what, I, I I will take an A for effort today. I feel like there was an F in results. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you agree, too. Yeah, you agree. Like, I figured, oh, Jermaine, that's okay. No, you agree if it's true. <laughs> but we'll try next time. We'll, we'll do better next time. All right, all right. Well, give my best to your fam, and uh, we will holler at you uh, next week. All right, we'll do it. Hopefully I'll have more rest on the, yeah. under my belt. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, sir. That's uh, Jermaine Farrell joining us on the uh, program there. Apparently I, I woke him from his slumber. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the NBA uh, and how bad it is. I mean, it's still getting ripped nationally. I mean, it is. It's still. It was a discussion all day yesterday, and and everybody trying to supply fixes. You know what? There's no fix for it because you can't make the players care. You can't make the players care. You can't force individuals to really change their mindset when they've been given everything they've been given the keys to the kingdom in that league they've been told they only have to play 65 games I think that's what the number is and you're still eligible for the MVP if you play that minimum or something like that they allowed load management to become a thing and then they clearly put on an all-star weekend that none of the players care about and then you have this embarrassing product you have a commissioner. We used to want to talk about being soft. You have a commissioner that doesn't care in any way, shape, or form about trying to either have respect for the game or the fans. And this is what happens to your league. I mean, the NBA is an unwatchable product. And this wasn't Michael Jordan's NBA. This wasn't Magic Johnson's NBA, even in the early 2000s. When Shaq and Kobe... We're running the roost. It wasn't like this. I mean, this has only been like, what, the last 10 years or so it started to deteriorate? So it's not like you go way back and you think, oh, 80s and 90s. No, we're talking, you know, 2000, mid-2000s here. 2010, I mean, that, that was good basketball. Kobe's era was really good basketball still. But, boy, it has gone to the point to where you just – can you ever imagine sitting down and going, wow, I can't wait to watch this NBA matchup tonight on ESPN when you're not going to get any effort for about three quarters and then they're going to turn it on late 
Imagine the people that are still paying thousands of dollars either for corporate or individual courtside seats. All right? Imagine that. Just just awful. Just awful. But in any event, uh, they won't fix it. And I'll be interested. What I'm interested to see is, you know, they have this new contract coming up. And they're, at, they're supposed to be asking for a record amount of rights fees for whomever ends up winning the bid or if it's multiple partners. And I'm thinking, where do they come off? The ratings don't show that you deserve to ask for that. They're just coming off the lowest Christmas broadcast they've ever had by a lot. It dropped dramatically. Their quadruple header or whatever it was. Then again, the NFL was playing that day, so that's immediately going to destroy their viewership. But, I mean, you just had ESPN shell out $8 billion for the college playoff. How serious can they be for more billions for the NBA that is not going to be an ROI that they can count on? Right? The return on investment there is just not going to work. So I'll be curious to see who ends up playing or paying for this and, and how it's going to play out. But uh, that league is just an absolute mess. I mean, it really is. And I know younger generations are watching it. They're probably being more influenced by what they see now, right? Because you always try to emulate your sports heroes, and that's a bad thing for basketball fans because – if this is the mindset that kids are taking into it, watching these guys on All-Star Weekend and college basketball and high school basketball and the AEAU influence is going to continue to be a very, very disruptive thing. And I don't know what the future of that sport may hold, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not a good league. It's not a good league, and I find myself completely uninterested in it. I mean, I... And I'm going to stand by what uh, I was talking with Marvy yesterday. I do not think we're going to win the Olympics. I don't think there's enough guys that are dedicated to it. Maybe I'm wrong. I see all these other countries, how much pride they take in representing their flag and their nation. And I think that plays a lot into it. And I'm not going to sit here and say that it's just going to be an automatic because we send NBA guys to the Olympics. Most of those guys are going to ask, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this, either from being paid or what kind of marketability am I going to create out of this? And I know that's probably always been a thing to some degree. Like if you watch the Dream Team documentary, which is terrific, Michael Jordan had to be talked into playing for the Dream Team. And it basically came down, look, you're the best player in the world. You're the most marketable athlete right now in sports. You need to be part of this. And once he decided, well, yeah, you're right, that would help out in that regard. Plus, I'm probably the most competitive guy in this league. Let's do it. But he had to be coerced about his brand to a certain extent. So it's not a new problem. But at least when Michael went out there, once he was convinced to play, I mean – 
he played that whole Olympic, you know, build up and then the Olympic Games just like he would an NBA playoff championship series. That's what happens when you allow the latitude. I mean, another coach got fired last night. Jacques Vaughn got fired for the Nets. Of course, that's an organization that allowed, you know, for years, James Harden to manipulate the roster. You know, the Nets right now are outside of the playoffs. They're not having a great year. But how many coaches have we seen get fired this year? And then... You find out later the players just didn't like them to that degree. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks have not gotten better since they fired their head coach who had 30 wins and had the second-best record in the league. Make that make sense to me, how you have an organization in that league that fired the coach who had led you to the second-best record in the league because the players didn't want that coach. Insanity. And how do we relate to that as sports fans? I mean, how can you? But yet, Adam Silver does nothing about it. All right, we'll be back to wrap up our two. sounding bands of their era, right, Boston? Easily. Easily. All right. About to finish up hour number two here on a Tuesday. We're now into the NFL offseason. I mean, pretty soon we're going to be uh, talking about the draft and where all that settles. and We'll get into some of the off-season stuff coming up with uh, David Smith. We won't waste our time talking about the Pro Bowl weekend uh, or anything like that because it's, you know, at least the NFL, at least they admitted how bad their game was and got rid of it as opposed to the NBA, which continues to try to <laughs> – feed us whatever that was on Sunday night Um, but we'll talk about all that and get David's take on who he likes in the draft you know it's tough these quarterbacks it's tough to figure out I I don't know is Caleb Williams still the choice he's got a lot of quirkiness to his personality and some of the things that he said that kind of make you wonder will organizations take the chance the Bears have the top pick it's pretty clear they're going to move on from uh, Justin Fields Will somebody take him? What could they possibly get for him? They're going to draft Caleb Williams, right? Your teams try to get a guy like Drake May. Is Jaden Daniels going to be a guy who impacts the NFL level? I don't know. You know, that's that's the crapshoot when you're deciding to to draft one of these guys and immediately make them your quarterback. And we've gone over it how many times it it doesn't work. Right? You, you think, oh, you get one and you're going to be that team. Well, we've gone through the list here several times. I mean, it's 
Very small amount of success rate thinking you're drafting your franchise quarterback. I mean, it's worked out obviously in Kansas City, and I guess it's worked out in Buffalo, but you know, Joe Burrow looked like he was on a big track. He can't stay healthy in Cincinnati. Dak Prescott can't win a playoff game. I mean, you just never know. You never know. Hey, David Smith leads off hour three.